Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Today, I am going to be sharing about Mary. And when we were doing this series, we wanted to kind of encourage people, like, looking past the common, you know, there's David, and, you know, there's different people that, uh, in the Bible that are very commonly known and spoke about, but it's like, well, when we're reading, who is maybe not as well known? And so you might think, well, Mary, well, which, which Mary are you speaking on? Uh, Mary was actually a very common name for uh, Jewish women at that time, and so as I was reading and studying, I found that there's actually six different Marys uh, in the Bible that are kind of talked about, and so there's two that are a little less common talked about. There's uh, Mary of John Mark and Mary of Rome. And then we have four that if you've read the Bible or you've gone to Sunday school or things like that, you might know. So we've got the infamous Mary. We've got Mary of Nazarene. That's Jesus's mom. We have Mary, mother of James. And then we have Mary of Bethany, who is the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And who I'm going to be speaking about today is Mary of Magdala, or more commonly referred to as Mary Magdalene. And I spent a lot of time, um, you know, reading. I kind of had heard her name, different things, but I was like, I don't know actually a lot about her. So I spent a lot of time reading about her and reading a lot of um, studies and what theologians had said. I can't even say that word right. Um, Anyways, what was really interesting is that there is a lot of speculation around Mary Magdalene, like a lot. Like there's people, it's like, you know, was she a prostitute? You know, was she the woman who washed Jesus' feet uh, with the alabaster oil? There's even, like, crazy speculations, like, was she Jesus' wife? And I was reading all these things, and I was like, this is crazy. Like, it's kind of scandalous, like, the things that people actually have thought about her over the centuries. However, there actually are no biblical references to back any of those suggestions or speculations that she was involved in prostitution or had a moral past or Jesus' wife. There's nothing. Nothing in Scripture. So the first thing I wanted to kind of do is just let's just set aside the maybes of what we think she could have been or what she had done or who she might be, and let's actually look at what do we know about Mary Magdalene based on Scripture. And so if in reading scripture, we learn a few things about Mary. The first thing we know about Mary is that she was demon-possessed. So, you know, she might not have had an immoral past, but she definitely had a tormented one. We know that Jesus healed her, he freed her, and redeemed her. And we know that she was a strong follower of Jesus, and he was, she was actually present at some of the most important times in his life. And then we also learn that Jesus equips her to share the good news, the gospel. And so those are the things that we know for sure based on scripture. <clears throat> so with the theme being, hello, my name is, I began to think, well, what's in a name? You know, do names matter? And the thing with the Bible is, is that names really actually do matter. And um, I, had, I was in Bible college a long, long time ago. Um, and actually, Joy's dad, Pastor Brian, had done this class called Life of Abraham. And it was honestly like one of my favorite classes. And it went through the whole story of Abraham and all his relatives and the places where they built altars and sacrifices and the cities they camped between. And if you study every single name, everything has like this deeper purpose. And you're like, wow, like this is crazy. And so we, we learn that n- names matter. And so I actually wanted to share, before I go into what I learned about Mary's name, is I thought, well, I'll share a little bit about my name. So, Joy Don, J-O-Y, capital D, A-W-N, no space, no hyphen. That's how I got to say it, okay? (laughs) 
So when I have to spell my name out, that's how it is, okay? <laughs> and, you know, I didn't love my name growing up. I was an 80s, 90s kid, so my name wasn't on the cool pen, it wasn't on the mug, it was on nothing. Maybe I could buy two and maybe kind of combine them. Um, but that was it. And, you know, I just, I, I didn't like my name. It made me feel different. And it wasn't until I actually was older that I learned um, why my parents chose my name and the significance of it. And uh, if you didn't know, my brother is JD. We look so much alike. Um, so he, uh, he's a crazy one. He's over in Voltage right now. And so um, my brother, JD, is three years older than me. And we have a beautiful sister who is two years younger than me. And between my brother JD and I, um, my mom, who's sitting right here, she's the best, the best ever, um, she actually had two miscarriages and one stillborn baby boy. And so between my brother and those, those things happened. And so there was a lot of loss, there was a lot of tragedy. And so you can imagine that when my mom carried me full term and gave birth to me, there was a lot of joy. And so they actually chose to name me after Psalms 30 verse 5, where it says, weeping may go on all night, but joy comes in the morning. And so, you know, as a seven-year-old kid who doesn't have my name on my pen, I don't know the value of my name, but when I get older and I mature and I have my own kids and I've gone through my own loss, not in this capacity, but in different capacities, that name now has a total different meaning. And I wanted to share that because sometimes we hear a name and we're like, oh, like, that's a nice name, J-O-I-D-A-W-N, no space, no hyphen, but... We don't learn the meaning of it. And when we learn the meaning of a name, suddenly it can carry a different weight and a different strength. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the first thing I wanted to do when I was studying about Mary is I was like, okay, I need to know what does her name mean? And so in studying the name Mary, it's of Hebrew origin. It's derived from the name Miriam. And so the meaning of Mary and Miriam is actually their rebellion. I was like, their rebellion? doesn't say the rebellion, doesn't say her rebellion, it says their rebellion. And if I'm going to be honest, when I first like, studied, I was like, no, I got this wrong. Like, there's, there's a different meaning. And so I studied more and more. And it's like, no, like Mary, Miriam means their rebellion. And I don't know if I was expecting maybe like a cute, sweet meaning or something. I don't really know. But I definitely wasn't expecting their rebellion. But it's actually very significant. Because, as I mentioned um, earlier, there's a few Marys listed in the Bible. And so, uh, in studying, I found some really interesting things. And let's take a moment, a quick one here, to reflect on some of the biblical Marys and how they actually engaged in some hardcore rebellion at their times. So, we know that Mary comes from Miriam. And Miriam was Moses' big sister. If you're not familiar with the story, I'll just let kind of just tighten it up here, but she was Moses' sister. At that time, she defied the most powerful man, Pharaoh, to collude a scheme to save her brother. Puts him in a basket, sends him down a river, does not sound safe at all. And uh, Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, uh, sees this basket, re essentially rescues Moses, and Miriam is bold enough to approach the princess, which she shouldn't have, but she rebelled against what was supposed to be, and approached him and came up with this plan where her and her mom could still take care of their brother and their son. So right away, there's acts of rebellion. Then we get Mary of Nazarene, Jesus' mom. And you know what? Mary risked her social standing, her marriage, and her very life by saying yes to being Jesus' physical mother. At that time, a baby born out of wedlock was reason for Joseph to divorce her and was reason for her actually to be stoned to death. So an act of rebellion was her saying yes. 
We have Mary of Bethany. Uh, this is a story of Mary and Martha where they were in the home and they were getting ready and Jesus uh, was coming and Martha's cooking and cleaning and doing her thing. And Mary, she sits at the feet of Jesus. And that actually at that time was a role that women were not allowed to do. So again, little act of rebellion in another Mary. And then we have Mary Magdalene. She had been demon-possessed. She got healed. And then she proceeds to follow Jesus. And she travels right alongside him and his disciples and was a big part of his ministry, giving of her time. It says she gave of her resources, her finances, and her life. And so at that time, she rebelled by defying cultural norms and views of what women could or could not do simply by physically following Jesus. So I just thought that was so interesting. Like, here's powerful examples of these Marys and why they have that name, Mary, their rebellion. Like, God's like, these ladies... They're going to rebel in the most incredible ways. Awesome. And so what's really interesting is that sometimes submission to God, it means that we have to we rebel a little bit against social, religious, and cultural realities. You know, sometimes we have to go against what culture tells us we should be to be who God tells us who to be and to do what he wants us to do. And um, one other quick little side note is Mary of Magdala. Magdala is where they believed that she lived. And Magdala actually means tower. And I thought that was kind of neat because when I think of a tower, I think of like strong, I think of tall, noticeable refuge. And, you know, we hear of Peter the Rock and then it's like Mary the Tower. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Way better than like Joseph the Doubter. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so we're going to take a look uh, a little bit of where the first mention of Mary Magdalene is. And so she's actually mentioned in all four Gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four accounts of Jesus' life and his ministry from the, those four different men. And so the first mention of Mary Magdalene is in this story, is from Luke ver uh, chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. <coughs> I've used my voice a lot this weekend. I was at the Backstreet Boys concert Friday night saying my heart out. <laughs> It was awesome. I am proud. <laughs> and then we had our team day here yesterday. And if you know me, I'm competitive. So I don't just sit there. I'm like, ah, we're going to win. We didn't. It was still great. Um, so, yeah, my voice is a little wonderful today. But it's all good. It's been a great weekend. So, all right, let's read here. So we got Luke 8, verses 1 and 2. And so here's the first time we hear about Mary Magdalene. It says, soon afterwards, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. So here's our first mention of Mary. And uh, <clears throat> what's interesting is that if you read about the story of Jesus, he did so many miracles and so many physical healings. But often people's names aren't mentioned. We hear about the blind man, the lame man, the Roman officer's slave. You know, there's kind of mentions of healing, but very rarely does he specifically mention a name of who he has healed. So what that says to me is that scripture wants us to know Mary Magdalene specifically was healed. And not that he just cast out some demons or one demon. It's very specific repeatedly in scripture that he healed her of seven demons. And... Um, I was reading this topical study uh, from a website called BibleStudyTools.com. It's a great website if you just wanted to go a little deeper into things. And so this was from a topical study called Who is Mary Magdalene? And so I'm just going to read this little portion. Because sometimes we can read something like demon-possessed and we're like, okay, that's weird. 
you think of like Hollywood's exorcism or something like that, but it's not quite like that. And so this is, was really interesting for me to read. And it said this, it said, it is surmised that Mary must have suffered from severe emotional or psychological trauma to deem an exorcism necessary. She was battered and bruised, injured and in agony from the suffering demon possession entailed. Mary lost all control and dignity, along with everything she knew in her previous life. Beauty and wealth did not spare her from the evil that assailed and attacked her every hour of every day. Seven is a mystic number suggesting completeness, implying that when the evil spirits dominated Mary, the suffering was extremely severe. And... So in other words, what we know is that Mary was likely constantly in a state of agony, despair, and torment. Her life would have been one lived as a complete outcast at that time. Like, if you didn't fit into this, you were, you just, they, like, cast you out of the city. So she would have been a complete outcast. She would have been unwanted, unloved, misunderstood, abandoned, rejected, unseen, unknown, hopeless, trapped in a life bound by pain, torment, and trauma. And I just, I think it's really important that we know the depth of, of her despair. And the beauty of who Jesus is, is that he never leaves people the way they are. Jesus heals and redeems, and he forgives, he restores, and he brings life. And um, we're going to watch a a clip right away. Not yet. I'm going to give a little context here. We're going to watch a clip from a show called The Chosen right away. And I wanted to give you a little context of what's leading up to this scene. And I I just got to say, if you, who who has watched The Chosen? Okay. You guys. If you have not watched it, you have to watch it. Like, it will change your life. It will take any picture of, like, Jesus, what you've kind of interpreted through Scripture, and it just, like... Close your mind. Now, my brother raves about The Chosen all the time. He's like, John, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. And I'm like, but dude, you also rave about, like, Spider-Man and Inception. Like, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> He's not here. I can make a little fun of him, right? But <laughs> he'll watch online. Okay. But he, it's, it's true. Like, literally changed our lives. Chandler and I, my husband Chandler and I watched it with our four kids. And every episode, like, Chandler and I are just, like, crying and crying. And our kids are like, Mom, Dad, like, why are you guys crying? And it was like, we were just so moved by who Jesus was. Like, I was watching, and I was like, that's him. Like, that's the Jesus I want to follow right there. Like, it's just so powerful. And so the clip that we're going to watch today, just, well, we're going to watch two, but the first one we're going to watch is from season one, episode one. And it's called, I Have Called You By Name. And so in this episode, we see different characters kind of introduced, but the main, a primary focus in here is that it's actually presented from the viewpoint of Mary Magdalene. And so in leading up to this scene, we see flashbacks of her childhood, um, you know, uh, important little moments, like not a trauma childhood, but like important moments with her father. But then as it goes into her adult life, we start to get glimpses of the trauma and the torment and the hopelessness that her life has now been consumed by because she's demon-possessed. And we see her in deep anguish and deep pain. And it also shows that she had faith. She was a, a Jewish woman, so that faith was really important to them. And, and God's word was really important to them. And so they're Leading up, there's several references specifically to one scripture that would have held significance for the Jewish people, and so thus for her. 
It was probably a scripture she would have known, she would have memorized, it held value. And it's Isaiah 43, verses 1, and I'm reading from New King James Version. And it says, But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. And I love that scripture. It's such a beautiful picture of God's love for his people. And it's a powerful verse. And and in episode one, we can see that at one point in Mary's life, this verse mattered to her. And it meant a lot, but it wasn't something that people knew. And then as she starts to go through and be in pain and anguish and despair, it loses her value. And she starts to lose her faith. And then she starts to actually lose hope. And it's there that in her greatest moment of torment and pain, where she feels done living a life unwanted, unloved, and unseen, that Jesus meets her where she's at. So let's take a look right now at this clip. I don't know what else I can do to help you. Give me that. Lots of it. That's not going to solve your problems. It's meant to distract from them. No more preaching. Just give it to me. It's not for you. Don't touch me. Oh. I... I have to go. Mary. Mary of Magdala. Who are you? How do you know my name? Thus says the Lord who created you. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. We have Mary tormented, demon-possessed, and Jesus comes, and he calls her by name, lays his hands on her, and heals her. Isaiah 43.1, thus says the Lord who created you, and he who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. In our darkest moments, he is there, and we might not recognize him, But he recognizes us, and he knows us, he sees us, he calls us by name. He called Mary by name. And after this encounter with Jesus, her life is forever changed. She lives a life changed, and we get to see that in Scripture. From that moment on, she follows Jesus with her whole life because she knows that without him, she wouldn't even have one. And what's interesting is that Mary's name is mentioned 12 times in the New Testament, But unlike many other women in scripture, she's not linked to another person, such as the wife of, the daughter of, the mother of. She is simply known as Mary Magdalene, follower of Jesus. Jesus, like the most important name to be known by. Um, I love being wife to Chandler. (laughs) I love being mom to Kaizik, Cody, 
Theo and Blakely. I love being friend. I love being teacher. I love being sister, daughter. But like follower of Jesus, there's just nothing. There's nothing that compares. It's so freeing. It's so beautiful. It's so powerful. And there really is no greater name to be known by than the name of Jesus Christ. And there's no greater calling than to be his follower and to lead others to know about him. And Mary's encounter with Jesus leads her to be a part of the most important and impactful moments, not just in her life, but in history. We go on to see that she is with Jesus in his most important moments. And, you know, we often hear about Jesus and his 12 disciples, but if you read scripture, you see Mary's right there too. She's there. She's specifically mentioned to be present at the most significant times in Jesus' life and his ministry. We find her at the crucifixion on the cross. On the cross, sorry. I bumped it there. Uh, in Mark 15, verses 37 to 41, when Jesus' disciples left and people left and people are gone, here we find in verse 37, it says, Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, This man truly was the Son of God. Some women were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, the younger and of Joseph and Salome, and they had been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. Many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. So there she is, right at his moment of death. And then we go and we look in Matthew 27, and we see that when his body is being laid in the tomb, again, there she is. It says, as evening approached, Joseph, a rich man who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock, and then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the other Mary, but Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb watching. So again, she's there when he dies, and it's like, then she's like, hey, I need to know, where is he going to be? And then we find her at his resurrection. I'm just going to move this here. And we find that in John 20, verses 11 to 18. And here we have, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in, and she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord. Not the Lord, my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. And it was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? And she thought he was the gardener. I was like, that's so weird. It's like, there's Jesus. No, you're the gardener. Uh, uh, Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me, where have you put him? And I will go and get him. And Mary, Jesus said, she turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which is Hebrew for teacher. And I'm going to pause there for one quick moment, because again, the significance of names, I wanted to know for two reasons. One, I wanted to make sure I pronounced it right. So I looked up what Rabani actually means. And two, just to get to know a little bit about it. So Rabani is actually, an, it's of Aramaic origin. And the actual meaning that it says is master, chief, prince, and a title of honor that Mary used to address Jesus. And I was like, okay, so it doesn't say that 
followers of Jesus used to address him. It doesn't say some, like his disciples or his closest. It specifically says that this was the name that Mary addressed Jesus. So that's very significant. And again, we can see just the power of the relationship that they had and how much that her encounters with Jesus mattered. It goes on to say, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave them his message. So if we take just a quick glimpse back to the first encounter of Mary with Jesus, she doesn't recognize him. But he knows who she is and calls her by name. And here we have again, she doesn't recognize him. But as soon as he says her name this time, she knows who he is. And I just think this is so powerful. Jesus took this woman, this unloved, outcast, rejected, hopeless, demon-possessed woman. He heals her. He frees her. He redeems her. And then he equips her to be the very first person that gets to share the good news. Like, it's her. He chose her to be the very first person to share that he had defeated death, that he was alive, that he restores, that he redeems, that he forgives, he heals, and he gives hope. Hi, babe. (laughs) So uh, we're going to watch one more clip from The Chosen. And so this is actually from episode two. It's called Shabbat. And again, I just, you know, reading the word of God is so powerful, but I love that we can like pair it with visuals that just like solidify it a bit more. And so in this scene, we see that Mary is approached by Nicodemus, who actually Melissa spoke about a couple weeks ago. And in leading up to this, in episode one, Nicodemus had seen Mary in one of her like really tormented states from the demons and basically wrote her off. It's like, this is incurable. Like nobody can do anything to help this woman. And now he sees her and can visibly see that she is changed. So let's take a look at this next clip. It's you. No, no, please, don't be frightened. My name is Nicodemus. I'm a Pharisee. I'm visiting from Jerusalem. I'm a man of God. And I believe you have experienced a miracle, Mary. You are healed. That that much is clear. I just want to understand how it happened. It makes two of us. (laughs) How long after my visit did you feel the change? It wasn't anything you did. It was someone else. He called me Mary. He said, I am his. I am redeemed. And it was so. I don't know why I am sharing this with you. I, I don't understand it myself. But here is what I can tell you. I was one way, and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. So yes, I will know him for the rest of my life. <laughs> so good. I was one way, and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. So yes, I will know him the rest of my life. You know, Mary Magdalene's life is a testament, a story, and living proof of a life changed when encountering Jesus. 
And it's not just a story in a Bible for us to like to read and listen to. It's actually, it's like God's revelation of this is what I want to do for you too. We learn from Mary that in our darkest moments, he is there. And again, um, we might not recognize him, but he recognizes us and he knows us and he redeems us and he calls us by name. We are his. You are his. He sees you. You are not unseen. You are not forgotten. You are chosen and you are redeemed. Thus says the Lord who created you and he who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Some of us just need to like take that home, print it and put it somewhere where you're going to see it all the time. You know, I love Mary's words. I was one way and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. And perhaps, you know, you're feeling like you're in that in-between right now. You're in between being one way and being completely different. Or maybe, like me, you just really need a good, true reminder that what had happened, that what once happened in between was him, and he's still there. He's still there. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. Even if sometimes we don't see him, recognize him, hear him, feel him, he is there. And his invitation and his extension for a life healed, redeemed, and freed is for all of us. And when we encounter him, we live a life changed. So I just would love to invite everyone just to, ta- to stand right now. And uh, those watching online, I mean, if you want to stand, you're welcome to too. Sometimes just engages our body and we're going to pray and every week you know we do take the opportunity and sometimes it can kind of if you've been here a lot it can be kind of a tune-out moment but this isn't a tune-out moment saying yes to Jesus isn't a one-time thing yes there's like power in the first time you say yes to salvation and yes I'm going to choose to follow him but in all those in-between moments we need to keep saying yes to Jesus and so that's why every every week we don't ever want to miss an opportunity for someone to say yes like I'm ready I want to be redeemed and healed and restored I want Jesus to meet me in the in-between so we're going to pray right now and I'm going to pray and I would just love to have you just pray after me and we'll do that together God I thank you for who you are I thank you for sending your son Jesus as a beautiful expression of your love for humanity. Today I say yes to you, Jesus. I say yes to your forgiveness. I say yes to your redemption. I say yes to your healing. I say yes to your hope that changes my life forever. Thank you for meeting me in my in-between. Today I choose to follow you and know you for the rest of my life. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.